welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, I thought this morning we'd start with some fun, some jokes. So uh, the comedian Jack Benny, he, he said this line once. He said, my wife Mary and I, we've been married for 47 years, and not once have we had an argument serious enough to consider divorce. Murder, yes, but, but never divorce. Never, never divorce. So uh, here's another one. Uh, when a man opens a car door for his wife, it's either for a new car or a new wife. That's uh, Prince Philip, God rest his soul, said that one. He's credited with that one. Tim Allen, the comedian, um, Home Improvement, he said this, a guy knows he's in love when he loses interest in his car for a few days. That's that's something special then. That's important. Um, one wife said this one, uh, some mornings I wake up grumpy, other mornings I just let him sleep in. I thought that was good. Uh, this one actually kind of made me laugh out loud, though. Um uh, Groucho Marx, he said this one, I, I was married by a judge, I should have asked for a jury. So some funny funny jokes there. And <clears throat> as you can kind of guess from our uh, the, the nature, the, the topic of the jokes, we're still in the our, our series on marriage. We're kind of in the middle of it, actually. And, uh, and some of you are just enjoying what's been going on. You've been basking in the knowledge that you and your spouse are doing really well and, and are just encouraged by what you're hearing. And so, you know, good for you guys. Uh, for, for many of us, though, we're we're kind of going through this, and it's been a struggle um, because what's happened is, as we're talking about marriage, what it's doing is it's bringing to the surface some of those disappointments, some of those hurts that we've long suppressed in our in our marriages. And quite frankly, the the current lockdown and COVID and stay at home orders, all that does is adds to stress, but even adds stress to a marriage as well. And so. It's no fun to be be face-to-face with those disappointments. It's no fun to be having those hard conversations, but they are necessary. They are necessary to to having those the the, the marriage that we all long for, the marriage that we we, we want and uh, and can have and through that healing. Because see, living in denial doesn't remove the problem. It doesn't doesn't help anyone. In fact, when you and I, when we live in denial, the person we lie to the most is ourselves. And what it does is it gives the enemy pro, uh, ample opportunity to twist and distort what our spouse is saying or doing and, and driving a further wedge between us. Because now we're not seeing the spouse for who they really are, but now through that anger and that bitterness and that disappointment. So as difficult as a topic as this is to face and to talk about, it's absolutely worth it so that we can create within our marriage that friendship, that that intimacy that is so deep and so close and so connected, that's unlike any other friendship out there, where, where we can be completely naked and unashamed as Adam and Eve were in the garden as they intended it to be. And I, and I think it's because the marriage relationship has so much great potential and is so beautiful and it's for the same reason that it's also the most difficult relationship that's out there from a human perspective. It's more difficult than the parent-child relationship. <clears throat> it's more difficult than a boss-employee relationship. Uh, it's more difficult between friends or within a church. And, and that's because all those other relationships have, have levels of protection to kind of guard or protect people, to keep them at a, at a safer distance. But in marriage, it's the most intimate covenant. 
it's it's what two people become one and and that level of intimacy just it just lends itself to all kinds of 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 difficulties or potential difficulties at least and so it's really important i think for us to understand how does god intend a husband and wife to engage one another and and there are countless books written on marriage i mean you go and and search on google or amazon or walk into a, a christian bookstore next time you're allowed to and you'll see just book after book on uh, uh, on the topic of marriage and and yet you know there's only one book that really has nailed it or 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 there's one book that is is the best on it and that's that's our father's word the holy scriptures because there's no other book that best understands the human condition but also understands the way out from our struggles that we're all having and and what i find interesting is when you when you look at this subject of marriage in scriptures it really doesn't have a lot to say on it and and so despite all the books written on it the scriptures have as little to say. Little, there's a few verses, but they're key verses. And, and the, the counsel that the writers give to us, I think, is, is powerful. It's so powerful that it's what we really need to know. And, and my experience as a counselor is this is what I think every husband and wife needs to know. That if, if they understand what we're going to look at this morning, it will begin to heal and restore and transform that marriage if at least one of them, if one person takes that counsel to heart. You heard me right. It, ideally, you want to see both do this, but if one is willing to start, it has the potential to completely transform the, the marriage. So let's let's pray, and, uh, and let's see what Father wants to share with us this morning on this topic. Heavenly Father, we... We come to you recognizing that if we're going to understand your word, if we're going to understand how to pull this off even, we need you. We need your spirit to be the teacher, but then we need your spirit to be the one to empower us and teach us in the moment of how to pull this off. And so we're going to trust you as best we know, as best we know Father. And I pray that, that what we look at will be used by you to transform our marriages. That the marriages within our, within our fellowship would, would be... Uh, revitalized and made vibrant and made powerful and that through our marriages, your name would be glorified. In your name we pray, amen. Well, let me let me start with, uh, with a question for all of you guys, uh, for you guys in particular. Um, from a heart perspective, guys, what do you think a wife needs most? Okay, John, I, I see your hand. No, it's it's not a cordless power drill. That's 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 not what it is. Um, you're gonna want to take some notes this morning, John. Uh, Danielle, we're praying for you, but um, we're here to support you as well. Marco, good answer, good answer. She wants to be loved. Well done, Marco. So to be loved, that's what she's longing for. That's what she's looking for, and and not any kind of love, but an unconditional love. And, and that makes sense because you think about the marching orders that God gives us in this passage to husbands is in Ephesians 5, verse 25, where he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Right? That's, that's our marching orders, our standing marching orders. And what I mean by that is, is I never have to ask the question, God, how do you want me to treat my wife today? Because the answer is always the same. I want you to love her. I want you to to love her in a way, in the same way that I would love the church. Now, please understand that it doesn't mean that they don't have, uh, wives don't have other needs, but when they're loved, all their other needs are cared for. 
they they feel looked after. They feel cared for and protected. They they feel nur- uh, uh, treasured and treated properly and, and so forth. It all comes out of that sense of being loved. And so husbands, when we love our wives that way, they're going to experience everything else as well. Now, again, we qualified and said it's an unconditional love. And, and that's a, a term that we use often in our society, in our world. But quite frankly, I don't think we have any idea of what unconditional loves means, at least in this world. Because at best, our love, the, the world that we'll experience in this, the love that we'll experience in this world is reactionary. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, a, a boy meets a pretty girl. And that pretty girl, she she laughs at his jokes and she compliments him and he feel, feels good about himself around her and she treats him nicely. And, and, and so what ends up happening is this, this guy, we say he falls in love with this girl. Why? Well, he his love is reacting to who she is and reacting to how she's treating him and so forth. It's reactionary. And, and women are the same way. They see a handsome man. And, and the handsome man treats her right and, and treats her like a princess and says she's beautiful and, and, and talks nicely about her. And, and in response, girl loves man. You see, our, our love in this world is always reactionary. It's reacting to something good, something positive in another person. But, but God's love is not that way. Only God's love is truly unconditional. And only God is capable of producing that unconditional love. You see, we, we read in Romans 5 that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us. God went to the cross and he died so that we could be re- restored to him. He didn't wait for us to get pretty. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to, to feel sorry about any of this. God was the one to act. God was the one to offer that love and even offer love to those who he knew would never offer it back, would reject his love. See, God doesn't only love some people in this world, he loves everyone in this world. Even the person that you may not wanna love, God loves. And so his love is completely unconditional, which means that it's much more than a feeling. Because again, a feeling is gonna react to something. Instead, what we need to see is because it's unconditional, it is a choice now. And it's a choice to act. It's a choice to do something. Again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did something as a result of that love. And so this love is always gonna be an act. It's gonna be something that we're doing where we're gonna lay down our life for another person, which means we're gonna do what's in another person's best interest, even if it comes at a personal cost. And sometimes it will come at a personal cost, but it's a choice. It's a choice we make. I saw this statistic I thought was really interesting that, you know, typically, you know, the success rate of marriage is about 40 to 50% of all marriages. So 40 or 40 to 50% of all marriages end in divorce at least. But if you compare that to arranged marriages, the divorce rate there is only 4%. Think about that. Two people who have been forced together, they succeed 96% of the time. Two people who choose to be together, they only succeed about 60 to 70% of the time. That's a huge swing. That's a, that's a massive difference. 
And and what it comes down to is I think those people who are in arranged marriages, they've decided to love that person. And and when when they've been interviewed and they say, well, how did it work? They, you know, did you love them at first sight? And most of them say, no. In fact, I, when I first got married to this person, I, I didn't know them at all. I, I couldn't love them. But over time, I developed a love for them. But they didn't start loving them at that moment. They chose to love them from the beginning and those feelings of, of affection came afterwards. So I, I kind of joke about this as marriage counseling 101. If someone comes into my office and they say, I, I don't love my, my wife anymore, what should I do? My answer is, well, love them. Oh, but you don't understand. I don't, I don't feel love for them anymore. Exactly. That's why you love them. Because as you start to show that acts of love, as you start to love them, then those feelings of affection will come. But that's not the point. See, our love's not to be reactionary. It's not because I feel it, therefore I'll do it. Instead, I've been ordered, I've been commanded by my King, by my Lord, by, by Jesus, that this is what he wants to do through me to joy. He wants to love her because that's what she needs. That's the way that she's wired. She needs that unconditional love. It's, that's not a fault against her. That's the way that God designed her to be. Well, ladies, if, if you need to be loved, what do you think men need? A lot of ladies say, well, they need to be loved too. And that's true, but that's not their primary core need. For a man, what he's looking for is respect. That's what he needs. That's what he wants. And again, when a man is respected, everything else falls into place. He will be loved and cared for and so forth. But he's looking for that respect. I think about it this way. The military, to me, is probably the most masculine institution we, that I can think of. Now, please understand, when I say masculine, I don't say that women don't belong in the military in any way. I'm just saying that if you think about it on that spectrum of femininity on one side and masculinity on the other side, the military is off the scale on the masculine side, right? And, and you're going into battle, you're fighting and so forth. And, and it all operates on respect, because think about it, a guy with one extra chevron, one extra bar on his, on his sleeve here can order another man to go into battle and to, to sure death, and he'll do it simply because he's got the extra bar. They're all operating on respect. That's how it runs. And that's how, how men are wired. I mean, guys, think about it. If your boss came into your office uh, you know, tomorrow and, and said, sit you down and says, you know, Greg, I, I want you to know, I really love you. I mean, how would you, how would you respond to that? You would, you'd be a little uncomfortable, I'm guessing. But if he sat you down, he says, Greg, I'm, I'm really proud of the work you're doing. I really respect you for what you're doing and how you're treating the clients and the customers and so forth. I, I just think it's great. How are you feeling now? Now you're feeling like asking for a raise, right? I mean, you're feeling really good about yourself. Because that's respect is the economy that men operate within. Which is interesting because I don't think that's well understood. Because think about Valentine's Day. Go look at all the Valentine's Day cards and, and it'll all be, husband, I love you. Husband, I love you. And over and over again, love, love, love. Which isn't wrong, but it, it doesn't really connect in the same way that what a man's looking for is he's looking for respect. And I think there's a significance there because what ends up happening is, is a husband and wife are, are missing him when they're trying to communicate to one another because a husband's thinking, well, I would feel better about myself, respected if she treat me this way, so he does that to her. 
and vice versa. The wife's thinking, I'd feel loved if he would treat me this way. And so she's treating him with love and and trying to understand that really what they're looking for is one's looking for love, the other's looking for respect because that's the way they're wired. So you think about it, you know, we have this this design that God's created. You get the husband and the wife on this one, on either side here and, and the husband's offering love to the wife and the wife's offering respect to the husband and and that love goes back and respect goes back and and you get into a very healthy healthy dynamic, a healthy cycle here. But we need to understand again a bit more about the quality of the respect. If if the love is unconditional, meaning it's not earned, it's not deserved, it's it, it's it's just often always given because that's what she needs. What do you think it says about the man's respect? It's got to be unconditional. But think about how often have you heard that phrase unconditional respect offered? See, when I, when I talk to wives about respecting their husbands, they say, but he doesn't deserve my respect. If he did something to deserve it, then it'd be easy to do so. And that's true. It's true. He, he probably doesn't deserve your, your respect. But that doesn't change the fact that you've been ordered and commanded by your king, by your Lord, to offer him respect because he needs it. See, Peter, Peter was talking about this in his, his epistle. He, he said this in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter. He says, in the same way, you wives, be submissive. Again, that's we just simplify it. Be respectful of your own husbands so that even if they're disobedient to the word, even if they don't deserve it, even if they aren't behaving well, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. See, what Peter's saying here is that just as the husband is to love you unconditionally, you are to respect your husband unconditionally. Because just like you don't want to have to earn his love, because if you did, you're in trouble. In the same way, he can't earn your respect because then he's in trouble because he'll never do enough. He'll never be perfect enough. He'll always fall, fail and make mistakes. And so what God's set up is not a, an earned or conditional system, but one of grace. One where we're offering that unconditional life, unconditional love and respect to one another. But here's what happens. Somewhere along the lines, someone fails. Maybe the husband slips up and he fails to offer love towards the wife. And, and therefore the wife is hurt and she's rejected and so she fails to offer respect towards the husband. And now the husband feeling hurt and rejection from not being respected, he offers less love to the wife. And feeling unloved, she offers less respect. And feeling disrespected, there's less love. And, and so suddenly you go from, from conditional love and conditional respect to no love and no respect. And then you get you know, hurt and bitterness back and forth. And one author calls this the crazy cycle that they're stuck in because they're just, they're feeding into each other more hurt because they're not realizing how they're hurting the other person. And this author talking about the crazy cycle, he says, well, how do we get off of it? And it, really what it comes down to is one person changing. Now you might be sitting there, oh, absolutely. If, if my husband were to change, then everything would be fine. Or if, if my wife were to clean up her act, then everything would be fine. And that's true. That could happen if, if you want them to be the mature one and you to be the immature one. You see, really what it takes is the one person being mature, 
one person looking beyond how they're being treated and being obedient to now offering that unconditional love and respect to the other person. Because see, chances are, if, if I as a husband am feeling disrespected by my wife, then the question ought to be, am I not showing her love? Is she not experiencing or, or, or am I not expressing love to her? And because of she's not experiencing my love, is she reacting out of that hurt? And is that why I'm feeling disrespected? And vice versa. And if that's the case, then I can begin to offer love to joy. And it may, it doesn't guarantee it because that's manipulation. I'm now doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But now what can begin to happen is, is she will begin to react with respect it would be easier for at least for her to act with respect in return. And so instead of being in this crazy cycle that's just destructive, we can get into a cycle that's that's constructive, that's building one another up. Now, as a quick aside, again, I want to just speak briefly to, to those who are in an abusive relationship. And not just the women, because there are some men that are also in abusive relationships as well. If that is the case, if you are in an abusive relationship, Speak up, get help, reach out to someone, to a friend, to myself, to the other elders here at New Life. We, we are here to support you. We are here to protect you and look after you. And because we're here to support you, it doesn't mean we're going to turn on your spouse and attack them because we're for both of you. And we want to protect both of you and encourage one of you, but we also want to make sure that you're all safe. Both of you are safe and that no one's, no one's getting hurt. So if that's the case, Please speak up. Hopefully by this point, though, listening to this, this talk about unconditional love and unconditional respect, you're thinking that that's, that's hard. And it is. It, it really is hard. I mean, think about it again. As husbands, Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, but not just anyway, but as Christ Love the church and gave himself up for her. When I look at that verse as a husband and I think my challenge isn't just love her unconditionally, but love her to the same degree that Christ loved the church. And I'm in trouble now because that's not difficult, but that's impossible for me to do it. But here's the good news. Here's why it's possible for me to offer unconditional love to joy and for her to offer me unconditional respect is because Jesus is the source behind it all. You know, you think about that picture of where we've got the husband and the, and the wife and they're offering love and respect to one another. At the center of that relationship is Jesus. You see, the marriage really is one plus one plus one. Husband and wife and Jesus becoming one and Jesus is now supplying the love through me to joy. You see, when I, when I married joy, what I essentially signed up for, I volunteered to be the chief instrument of God's love to joy. Meaning that, that God wants to love joy and he wants to use me more than anyone else. In the same way, when joy married me, she volunteered, she signed up to be the chief instrument that God would use to show the respect that I need from him. And so it's God in joy respecting me and it's God in me loving joy. And that's why it can be unconditional. That's why there's, it, it's not, re, not requiring me to drum up the strength and the power because you see the cross has done something spectacular. 
it has it has made it possible by removing the old me when I was crucified with Christ. It has qualified Jesus to now come and live up in me, take up residence inside of me, being infused with his Holy Spirit. So let me give you this illustration. You, you know, it's a bit chilly outside right now. And so maybe you're outside and you have a one of those outdoor electric heaters. And 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 that heater on its own doesn't produce any any power. It doesn't, doesn't produce any heat. What you need to do is you got to take that heater and you got to plug it in. And as you plug it into a power source, that power, that energy runs through the, the heater, runs through the filament, and it begins to radiate that heat. It radiates the energy and the power. In the same way, you and I are plugged into Jesus. And his life, his strength is now going to run through us. And as a husband, his, his love is running through me, and it's now going to radiate and express itself through me to my wife. Because apart from Jesus, as John 15, 5 says, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. I can't love my wife. I can try, but it'll never be good enough. It'll always be conditional. It'll only work for a time, and then I'll get exhausted, and I'll get disappointed, and I'll stop loving her. But when I trust Jesus in this moment, his love, his unconditional love, is enough in everything she needs in that moment. And in the same way, as joy trusts Jesus in her, he will now offer that respect that I need through her. Now, here's something people always ask. Well, what if they don't change? Because you're right, it's, a, it's not guaranteed. I'm not trying to manipulate joy into respecting me with loving her. I'm just loving her because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes that other person doesn't want to play along. And, and they're, they got other issues or they're just still bitter and they're, or they're rebellious and they're refusing to offer that love and respect in return. What do you do then? Well, the good news is your source of life has not changed. Joy is not my source of respect. God is. And if joy decides not to play along, then God will show up in other ways. Maybe it'll be through my friends or, or the people I work with. Or maybe he will say something directly to me but that respect will be shown to me still. And, and if I fail, if I'm rebellious and I choose not to love my wife, love joy the way she needs to, then she's not out of luck, that, that God is still her source. And, and God will show up through friends or through family or, or through the church or other ways, or again, maybe directly through a sunset or through a song, he will speak to her and show her that love because our source never changes. You see, this idea of, of showing love and respect is not, not to get love and respect and back. It's not to manipulate the other person. It's so that Jesus can flow through me and I will find that peace. I remember the first time I ever shared this concept in a, in a counseling uh, environment, it was, it was with a wife. And I was teaching her about this love and respect dynamic and, and how God wants to, through her, show him unconditional respect. And she went home and was was trying it out for a week, came back to my office, and I said, how'd it go? And, and she said to me that, that nothing's different, but or nothing's changed, but everything's different. And I said, what do you mean? And she says, for the last week, I've been showing him great respect, and, and he hasn't changed very much in response, but, but everything inside of me is different. I have peace. I've changed. I don't need him to change anymore. I want him to, but I don't require it anymore because I have found peace in trusting Jesus. That's when I knew she got it. 
because she didn't need him to change anymore. She was finding everything she needed for life and godliness in Jesus Christ. He was her source now. But what happens now is it provides an opportunity, provides an opportunity now for him to change. See, some of you might be thinking, well, it's not fair. She changed, why why won't he change? And you're right, it isn't fair. But as Peter wrote, it may provide the opportunity through her chaste and respectful behavior for Jesus to speak to that disobedient husband. You see, as long as she's disrespectful to him, as long as she's mistreating him, then she feels entitled to mistreat him back. It, or sorry, he'll feel entitled to mistreat him, treat her back. And then, well, you know, I, it's okay. But as she starts showing him respect and he puts his head on his pillow at night, now the Holy Spirit can start to say, hey, you know, look, look at what your wife's doing. Look how she's treating you. Now, hubby, look how you're treating her. And, and upon seeing that, that difference, he could begin to realize that he needs to change and treat her differently. So love and respect, that's what we're called as, as wives and husbands, or husbands and wives, to offer to our spouses. So let's take a look at what that means, what that looks like. So what does it mean to, to respect a husband? Well, I think, you know, we could probably boil it down to three simple things. There might be more, but I think these three probably capture most of it. And, and number one, it's support. Support him, meaning to, to respect him, to, uh, to submit him, to, to his leadership, to trust him, uh, to, to be willing to uh, support his, his dreams and, and what he wants to accomplish. Uh, to to not berate him. I I remember one time, I, I along with another lady, we used to teach a marriage course, and she would tell the story about how um, she was very domineering in her relationship with her husband, and it was all out of fear because for her, money was her security, and and things were tough and difficult, and 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 money was tight. She, in fact, she actually told her husband that he was going to stay home while she worked because she could make more money that way until her job dried up. And then she kicked her hubby back out. You need to start making money. And and so she was very terrified, very fearful. And it got so bad that, that they were about to get kicked out of their home. Well, hubby is out there. He's trying to make money, but but he had some own, his own issues and he just wasn't getting paid. He would do the work, but not get paid. And normally she would berate him, but she was beginning to learn, I need to show him respect. And so one day he came home and, and, and he didn't get paid. And instead of berating him, she hugged him. She told him that she's proud of him and that she loves him and she supports him and she trusts him. Well, guess what? He immediately got up and went back out and he asked to get paid. See, it wasn't the berating him that got him to act. It was the respect. It was the support. He knew his wife was in his corner and he was ready to do anything at this point. So number one, wives, support your husband. Support him in his dreams and his desires. Number two, praise him. You know, your words, as Proverbs says, you know, life and death is in the tongue and your words will either build up or destroy one or the other. Because see, as a, as a wife, you have tremendous influence over your husband. And, and you see, quite frankly, your husband, he's afraid. See, a lot of guys, they're like turtles. See, what do turtles do when they get scared? They retreat into their shell. And, and what, what happens when these wives and they see their husbands retreat into the cell, into the, into the shell, and they get, they get withdrawn and protective, 
they get anxious and they get worried and they want to draw him out. And so they use their words, but in a harsh way. And it's like banging hard on the shell of a turtle. What do you think is going to happen to that turtle if, if the shell is being attacked? He's looking for the shell within the shell now. And that's what's happening to those guys. That when you berate him with your words, you're causing him to retreat into the shell. Or worse, he will respond with higher power. He will try to power up and be more angry and, and more, more abusive in return. And so you see this dynamic of each you know, couple, each, each spouse trying to have that power, have that last word, be more angry. And it doesn't help at all. And so your words of praise and encouragement can have a huge influence on your man to build him up, to, to praise him and, and let him know that you trust him. And then finally, through sex. Sex is a, is a beautiful gift that God's given husbands and wives, given a marriage, and, and used in a healthy way is, a, is an incredible way to show that you respect your man. Because really what it is, when, when a wife is offering her body to her husband, she's saying to him, I trust you. She's offering herself in, in the most intimate and precious way. And, and what sex can do is it, it can begin to create an intimacy within a marriage. Like few things, other, uh, uh, you know, like other things, uh, sorry, let me say that again. Sex can offer, offer intimacy and, 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 and closeness within a marriage like few other things can. I remember one couple I had come into my office and, and they were just nipping at each other, just bickering back and forth, back and forth and arguing. And, and I thought to ask the question, when was the last time you had sex? Well, his expression answered the question, but then she said, well, it's, it's been a couple weeks. And I said, well, I want you, here's your homework. I want you to go home and have sex and, and have it often. So they did, they went home and they had sex and they had it often, they came back. And I said, how's the last couple of weeks been? Oh, it's been revolutionary. So different. You see, what happened is when she offered herself for sex, it didn't fix everything because sex, sex doesn't fix everything. But in doing so, it, it changed him. And now he was more willing to love her. And she was now more willing to respect him and more, lo more loving towards him. And they were able to change that dynamic that was crazy to now being something that was energizing or encouraging all through having sex. Now remember, wives, that, that, that support, that praise, that sex, it's gotta be unconditional. It's gotta be Jesus in you. And he's enough. He can pull it off. Well, what about love? Because women, women often struggle with the question, am I enough or am I too much? What they're trying to answer the question, am I worthy of being loved? That's why unconditional love is so important. Because when you offer your wives that unconditional love, you're, you're answering that question. You're enough. And you're not enough because you do right. You're not enough because you look right. You're not enough, enough because you're, you're at the right weight or, or you, you know, you're, you're pretty enough or you're kind enough or you're, you're cooking or you're whatever. You're, you make enough money or none of that. I choose to love you. You're enough. It allows them to rest. So what, is, what does that mean to, to love your wife? Well, <clears throat> Bill and Annabelle Gillum, they, they used to tour across the U.S. and offering marriage conferences. And they would often hand out to the husbands uh, one sheet of paper and wives another sheet of paper. It was a questionnaire, a survey. 
And and on the the question for the husbands, it would be if you if my wife did this one thing, I'd feel respected. What would be that one thing? And to the wives, it would be I'd feel my I'd feel loved if my husband did, and then whatever it would be. Well, that's how they figured out, you know, that that support him, praise him, respect or sex him was how husbands want to be loved or respected. Those three things. But they found that these wives, they were there's basically about 20 things. Kind of shows the the beautiful complexity complexion or complexity of of women. But um but really those 20 things I think probably could be boiled down a little bit, but I want to read to you those 20 things. So guys, we have an idea, some clues as to how a wife might want to be loved. <clears throat> so the first one is by listening to her. And, and by listening, not just hearing her, right? But by actually paying attention and listening to her. What is she saying? What is she talking about? Not fixing her problems because she's not a problem to be fixed, but just listening to her. Because what you're saying is I'm, I'm choosing to set aside the sports, I'm choosing to set aside the news or the movie or the TV show, and I'm gonna engage and listen to you because you're more important. And taking my quote unquote petty problem seriously. Number three, communi communicating more openly with me. I know how hard this is as a guy because I, you know, being that turtle and, and being worried that maybe I don't have enough, maybe I don't have what it takes to, to love my wife the way she wants to. And so it's easier to withdraw. Guys, what they want is they want our hearts. They want us to be open with them. And so to communicate what you're feeling, where you're at, be more open with them. Number four, by noticing more and not just when you want to have sex, right? So, so being romantic, being uh, physical in touch, but not just so that you can have sex at the end of the day or, or in that moment, but actually just saying, you know, with words and encouragement or a hug or a, or a little kiss, just to communicate that love. Next one, by saying thank you for the things I do. Uh, by being interested in my life, or at least act like you're being interested, but, but hopefully, again, be, enga be engaged there. By showing affection when other people are around. Uh, that's, that's important to a lot of ladies because they, they feel loved that way. Not all ladies, but, but a lot of ladies feel that, um, that love. Uh, by sharing his goals and his values with me, by even talking business over with me. So what's what was your day like? You know, how did it go at work? And what was happening over here? And how did it go with this coworker? Because again, they're they're not interested necessarily in, in what's happening at work. They're interested in your in your heart. They're interested in you. And what happened at work is part of your life. And so they want they want access to that. By remembering me with little gifts or, or just planning a, an evening out every so often. Uh, and, and maybe taking me out without the kids. Maybe, you know, get into the car and you go for a ride. Or, or maybe you just go sit on the back deck and, or, or, you know, go for a walk together. Just sort of doing something together with that person. Next one, by including me in the things that he's doing. The adventures and the, and the planning and the, and the projects. This is a big one, by trying to understand me. And I know this is hard for us guys because, you know, for a lot of women, their hearts, their souls are scary. They feel overwhelming to us. And we feel like we're such inadequate failure of a mess if we were engaged there. But, but it's okay. Just what they're looking for is to try. They're not trying to get you to, that you understand everything, but as long as you're trying to understand them, that's important. By, by getting involved in the things that they enjoy doing. 
uh, by holding me in his arms and talking to me. Again, not, not that it's gonna lead to sex, but just holding them close. By being tender and, and using kind and tender words. Again, guys, you know, our words can destroy our wives or they can be words of love and protection and caring. By helping in, in the disciplining and the raising of the children. It's, it, you know, parenting is a, is a two-person job. <clears throat> By saying little words of, that are caring and compliments and appreciation. You know, I heard one guy, you know, uh, in a counseling relationship, the wife said, he, you know, he's never told me I love, he loves me since we got married. And his reaction was, I told you when we got married that I love you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Well, guys, think about it. Imagine the wife said, you know, we don't have sex because we had sex on our wedding night and that should be enough. It's not enough, right? You need to keep telling her that you love her. You got to keep telling her that she's beautiful, that she's important and that you value her. Spending more time with the family making her feel like a woman, feel desired and wanted. Those are, those are about 20 things there that are, that are important and, and key ways to express love towards, the, towards your wife. I think, I think we can summarize it. If you're overwhelmed by that list, let, let me summarize it this way. Let me read to you the passage. Ephesians 5, 25, 29. It says, husbands, love your wives. That agape, unconditional love, just as Christ also agape, unconditionally loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Guys, that's who your bride is. She doesn't always act that way, but that's who she is to Jesus. She has been washed she is clean, she is pure, she is holy, she is blameless. There is no spot or wrinkle on her at all. That's already been done. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies, as their own selves. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. That last phrase, I, I think the best way to describe that would be uh, how a gardener works within a greenhouse. So think about it. in a greenhouse, what that gardener is doing is he is setting all the conditions to be optimal for growth to take place. So he's making sure the right temperature, the right amount of sunlight, uh, the right amount of humidity, the soil, uh, yeah, you know, the pH levels of soils and, and fertilizers and nutrients. He's doing everything he can so that the conditions are optimal for growth. It doesn't cause the growth. He's just setting the, the conditions for it. And I think as husbands, that's what we can do for our wives. We can, we can provide the environment for them to experience God's love. We can't cause them to receive it, but we can create the environment where they can experience it. And we do that by nourishing, by cherishing them, by protecting them, by caring for them, and doing it all unconditionally. Remember now, that's got to be Jesus in you. It's got to be Christ in you pulling that off. Only he can do it. So this, this love and respect, I think that's the key, the key dynamic within marriage. Husbands, love your wives, unconditionally trusting Jesus in you. And wives, respect your husbands, unconditionally 
trusting Jesus to do it in you. And, and the marriage that does that, that, that offers that love and respect in return, unconditional, just is beautiful. It, it really is, it's a safe environment and a safe place. So I got another question for you guys to ask each other. And, and, and the husbands, here's the question. How can I love you? What are the things that I can do that will be meaningful to you to offer you love? Right? That's, that's the question I want you to ask your wife. And, and I think it's, it's, it's a conversation to have in a general sense, but also to have, you know, each day. That's a question I often ask Joy. How can I love you right now? How can I love you today? And, and sometimes it means, you know, clean up, do the dishes, um, you know, put the kids to bed, go grocery shopping. Every time I'm doing that, what I'm saying is I love you because that's an act of love towards her. And sometimes it's just sit with me, hug me, talk with me, pay attention to me, turn off the sports. Oh, please don't turn. Okay, I'll turn off the sports. And that's an act of love towards her. And so have a conversation, guys, with your wives and, and, and try to figure out what are some of the things that, that are meaningful. I know that, that if I want to hug, if, if I give Joy a hug, she will feel loved. She's expressed that to me. So if I'm asked, I wonder, how can I love her? I'll just go give her a hug. And then I could ask her, how else can I love you right now? But wives, here's your question. Ask your husband, how can I show you respect? What's something I can do that would be meaningful to you to show you respect? How can I support you? How can I praise you? What about sex? How can I show you that respect? Now, I ran off, you know, those 20 things a lot, you know, real quickly. Those three things for the wives is a lot easier. Uh, what we've done is we posted an article on our website. And I think there's going to be a link posted in the chat soon. But um, you can go to that website, to that article there, and, and it will show you that list of 20 things that I read. And you can have that in front of you and, and just ask your wife, you know, is this meaningful? What about this one? What about this one? And start to begin to develop a way that would be meaningful to her. And, and if, you, if you're not watching this um, uh, on Facebook and you still want that link, Again, you can go to the website or what you can do is while you're at the website, sign up for that weekly email because in the weekly email will be included that link to the article as well. And so that will arrive in your, in your inbox in a couple of days as again, to sit down and have that conversation um, with, your, with your spouse. I know it's scary and I know it's terrifying because it, it has all kinds of risk involved because you're engaging another person and you're gonna now bring up and engage in those areas of hurts and pain. But I'm telling you, as, as scary as it is, it's worth it. Because to not engage in the conversation doesn't remove the problem. It just remains there and it festers and it grows. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that we can trust you to be the source of all this. this this incredible challenge, this impossible challenge of, of unconditional love and unconditional respect, it's something that you can and want to do through us. And so I pray that we would remember that above all else, that you in us is sufficient for the task and that we would then risk the vulnerability. We would risk the engagement. We would risk failure even to show that love and, and respect that you want to show our spouse. Continue to speak to us, Father. 
continue to encourage us and continue to remind us that, that we can trust you to do it. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.